BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like, choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 you know what i'm saying like it could have been like easier and a lot of people have asked me like how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline follow the prophet is a production of gingrich 360 and iHeartRadio. So if you go anywhere, if you go shopping or even a garage sale, or even if you buy something online, you're going to see a price, right? Like this is what it costs. And then it's up to you to decide whether you want to buy it or not. And this is something that's, you know, common sense, free market principles. But somehow healthcare doesn't work that way. Nobody quite knows why. We're going to talk about that. And even though the government is enacting some new rules to see if they can do something about it and make it more transparent, we still have a long way to go. We're going to take a closer look at that sector and what an absolute unmitigated disaster it's become. Plus, healthcare costs aren't the only problem. It's also how the system is run. We'll talk to my guest who has made it his mission and his company's mission to disrupt the way we do healthcare. So really interesting and the way they figure out how to reduce costs and make it a win-win for everyone, including employers and employees. I'm David Grasso, and this is Follow the Profit. If you're looking to get rich quick, well, you probably shouldn't get sick because that's really expensive. So let's talk about the cost of healthcare because this is like a hot button issue that we probably should be talking about more instead of these wedge issues that we mostly see in the media. When you buy a car, it's pretty simple. 
there's a price on the sticker. I mean, when you buy a Tesla, a Tesla is a Tesla is a Tesla, and that is the price. But you're either going to buy it or you're going to walk away. And the same thing, if I go into a store, and a good place like that doesn't screw around with pricing a lot is like the Apple store. You know what an Apple product costs. You go, you order your product, and you either want it delivered or you go pick it up. And I bought an iPhone the other day, and it was $5.99. And I went, and I picked it up, and it is lovely, and my husband loves the gift. And this happens every day across the economy, right? I made a conscious decision to give my US dollars in exchange for this lovely iPhone, which my husband now loves. And whether I order a pizza or the guy cuts my lawn, we pretty much have a price in mind. And then comes healthcare. Healthcare is an absolute wreck. You need an MRI, you go into the hospital, God forbid you need a transplant. Well, Everything's going to happen, and then they're going to decide how much the service costs. And in the meantime, you're going to pay through the roof for insurance unless you're on some sort of government plan. And you're going to get surprise billing. You're going to get variable billing. And everything is an ongoing negotiation. And it's so out of control that the credit rating agencies don't even take healthcare debt into account because basically everyone has healthcare debt now because – who hasn't received a surprise bill from a healthcare provider, hospital, etc.? And meanwhile, the price of insurance is completely through the roof now. I pay more than $2,000 a month in insurance because, you know, it's just the way it is now. My rent and my insurance are almost the same price. This is the world we live in, folks. So what is anyone doing about this? Does anyone care or are we too busy fighting over whether we're liberal or conservative or libertarian or woke or progressive? And when really this is an issue that affects all of us, let's really talk about this. Let's talk about transparency. Why don't we bring transparency to healthcare pricing? Why don't we have the ability to shop around? If my grandma needs a knee replacement, shouldn't she see that there might be a difference between the two hospitals that are in our zip code? Well, in January, the transparency and coverage law went into effect, and it was meant to allow to have patients to have control over the bills. And the problem is not many people now have control over it, and prices for medical care are like all over the map. So let's talk about like something we all take, ibuprofen, Advil. One pill on Amazon costs two cents. You go to CVS, it's a lot more than two cents. But hospitals charge $60 for that same ibuprofen. And insurance companies step in and they say, well, that ibuprofen's not 60 bucks. We're going to talk the price down to free. And then they renegotiate and, you know, the hospitals come up with these inflated prices and the insurance companies fight them to bring down the price. And in the end, the consumer gets screwed because our premiums, deductibles, and copays just seem to always be going up. But the problem is this new transparency rule isn't really shaking out because no one really knows how to figure it out. Hospitals make it difficult to find pricing. And once you do, prices are not simple to determine because a price of something is perhaps covering for losses elsewhere. So one journalist actually went out and tried to price out an MRI between hospitals. And one wanted $320 and the other wanted $2,000. This is an identical procedure. And, oh, I mentioned one more rule. So the transparency rule only applies to hospitals. It doesn't apply to outpatient clinics and doctor's office. But don't worry, a new rule will be implemented. It will require insurance companies to provide a quote-unquote good faith estimate to patients to know more before they receive medical care. 
Well, I'm going to believe that when I see it. Because right now what we have is a situation is that we are terrified of interacting with the healthcare system. In every American's brain, there is a fear of going to the doctor. Not because we might find out we have a health problem. In fact, technology's progressed so much that, you know, it's probably solvable, right? We have some of the best solutions in the world, the best innovation. If you have a rare cancer or, you know, some sort of disorder, there's probably a therapeutic for it or even, a, you know, a solution for it. No, we're not afraid of that. We're afraid of the cost. And no one seems to advocate for you when you walk into that situation. And yeah, these, these people are... You know, the Washington's doing this transparency rule, but the incentives are all in the wrong place. Follow the profit. The hospitals want to charge the most they can, and they really control what's going on. And there's market concentration, right? Do you think pharmaceutical companies are interested in making less money? Probably not. And that's their right. That's their right to maximize their profit. Whether all these organizations are not making a cardinal sin in maximizing their profit. Who is asleep at the wheel is the regulator. The regulator is supposed to play a role in this. And that doesn't mean socialize all of healthcare. We want to keep the best of the private system while giving people who cannot afford health insurance a chance at receiving the proper healthcare they need. So this is where the conversation about healthcare comes off the rails. It's neither left wing nor right wing. It's going to need a healthy mix of both left and right wing ideas in order to really make this work. And ladies and gentlemen, the stakes are high. <laughs> healthcare is almost a fifth of our economy. And it affects every single one of us. And the cost of care seems to be something that no one be, seems to be willing to confront. And that is going to be one of the greatest challenges of our time, is figuring out how Americans can have access to good quality and affordable medicine without any of the politics. And really doing the right thing is going to be extremely challenging, because right now all the incentives are in the wrong place. We're going to take a quick break here. Be right back. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. 
It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now, you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. At UC San Diego, we understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station with cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world to bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at UC San Diego. We understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station, with cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires 
and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world to bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. If you ask people what would be the one thing they would like to have for their entire life, you'd be surprised by the answer. It's not fame, it's not fortune, and it's not a thousand shares of Apple when they first started and had their IPO a zillion years ago. It's actually good health. And in order to have good health, you need to be in good health. If you think back a few hundred years ago, healthcare and overall hygiene was fairly limited. And if you look at medical history here in the United States, the first medical society was formed in Boston in 1735, and the first hospital and medical college in Philadelphia a few years later in 1765. And really, in 1796, get this, there was a prepaid healthcare system, and it charged people who went to see 20 cents a month to insure against sickness and disability. And over the decades, health insurance was available for war veterans, certain industry workers. But whenever a compulsory or a required healthcare system was proposed, plenty of people came out of the woodwork to fight against it. And despite that, there were some advances. Employer-sponsored healthcare took hold during World War II with someone who's still a big player. I have a friend of mine who works over there, Kaiser Permanente. And seriously, employer-sponsored healthcare is one of the greatest success stories in American healthcare. And then we have the more socialized versions of healthcare that exist in our system, which came during the Great Society programs of the 1960s from President Johnson, which we now know as Medicare, which is of course for old people, and Medicaid, which is for low-income people. Today, healthcare and health insurance in the U.S. is a big part of our life. And it's 20% of our economy, folks, somewhere between 18 and 20%. But it's a huge mess, and people want to fix that. So to talk about healthcare, which is a lot to unpack, Steve Presser, he works for Bennycomp Health Solutions. He's looking to, along with his team, disrupt the healthcare industry, just like Netflix, Uber, or Airbnb have done in their field. Healthcare is the number one social impact in the U.S., and it's the sixth largest industry as it pertains to gross domestic product. It's larger than education and military combined. And people always talk about the military-industrial complex, but they never talk about the biggest complex you've never talked about, which is, of course, the healthcare complex. And that's what Steve is here to talk about. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. So healthcare is something I care a lot about, not only because I was a sick child constantly and had to go to, to the doctor a lot, but also my parents are healthcare professionals. How did you fall into one of the most challenging corners of the economy, healthcare? 
Well, and that's kind of a bizarre story because I had my undergrad in art and business and got my master's in 3D animation. But my father was a software developer, owned his own company, and he built systems to run hospitals and surgery centers. And so I think that I grew up in that space. And then uh, as I was doing animation and multimedia projects, I found a niche inside of healthcare. And Benicomp was one of my first clients almost 20 years ago. And I reconnected with them about uh, five or six years ago when I sat down and decided that I needed to forge a path for the rest of my life. And I came to the conclusion that it was going to be in health education and technology. And this just was, you know, a well-timed thing, you know, in my lifetime and with Benicom. So let's talk about healthcare in the United States. It's kind of this like mess that's free for some people, really expensive for others, subsidized for certain employees. So how do we even make sense of this whole mess? We know something's wrong, but we really don't know what to do about it. And that's a loaded question, right? Because as you said, it's a huge mess and there are so many moving parts. It's an incredibly complex space. So really then if you were to fix health at the, like at the most simplest level, you would have healthy people. And if you had healthy people, then you wouldn't have a whole lot of health problems. So I think at the root of it, where we've gone wrong is we've built an entire system around diagnose and prescribe and wait until people are sick. And we've lost focus on looking at health preventively and making sure that we have healthy people in society. And there's a big cost motivator to this. An ounce of prevention prevents a pound of pain or some sort of saying that I'm messing up. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So I'll give you an example. One of the things that we do is we will do annual health screenings for our groups and we get about 96% participation in those screenings. When we do that, we see almost all of the pre-diabetics and the unmanaged diabetics. Those pre-diabetics are sometimes weeks, months, maybe a couple of years away from becoming a diabetic, which is somewhere between ten dollars and $15,000 a year for the rest of life. It is, I don't want to say it's very easy, but it is significantly easier at a pre-diabetic stage to adjust your diet and exercise and never become a diabetic. So you've now saved the health system hundreds of thousands of dollars. And like that, there are so many diseases and conditions, whether it's mental health or physical health, that preventive health can actually help you from going over the cliff. It actually seems like our healthcare system is designed to do the opposite. Like once you fall in and you go off the cliff, it seems like there's a lot of incentives to just throw everything in the kitchen sink at these problems, but not solve the actual problem. Yeah. And you're pointing out, I mean, there's so many problems within the healthcare industry, but, but what you said is true. There's a couple things that I think we don't do very well in the United States. Because things are so expensive and there's a huge lack of transparency, people are terrified to see the doctor because they don't know if they open that door to the hospital or the surgery center or whatever it happens to be, um, if they're going to end up with a $100,000 bill. And so what happens is they just let things go on until they reach that point where it's like, oh my gosh, I am so sick, or it's so apparent that I have some major problem, I'm now going to rush to the ER. 
it all goes back to what you said before, but we really need to find ways to educate patients and then make it easy for them to take those first steps, weekly, monthly, annual steps toward living a healthier lifestyle. So what do you do at your company to disrupt the healthcare industry? Because the healthcare industry is kind of run like a cartel. Like you have these insurance companies and then you have these hospitals that have their territories. And I'm not saying any of them are amoral actors or anything, but they definitely control their little slice of the pie. So how do you disrupt something where never mind trying to get a slice of pizza, the pizza's already been sliced up and eaten by all these actors? Let's point out two pretty obvious sides. You have the side of the providers, you know, the hospitals and the the doctors who are trying to charge as much as humanly possible. And then on the insurance side and and the employer and employee side, they're trying to reduce the cost and get the best care. And what you end up with is a system built largely around charging as much as possible and then fighting those charges and trying to lower cost. The approach that we take, so uh, we, we certainly do our due diligence and partner with the best vendors in the country um, on the cost containment side. But I think what we do differently than everybody else, we do these annual health screenings where we achieve 96% participation in those annual health screenings. And then we receive all of that underlying blood data so that we can see these underlying health risks that people aren't aware of. And then we approach that when they are early and much more affordable. We offer free health coaching for all of those employees. So they're not worried about opening that door and getting a $100,000 bill. They can instead start talking to a healthcare professional at no cost to them. So I think what we do differently is, is rather than focus on cost, we focus on cause and prevention. So who pays you exactly? Is it insurance companies? Is it employers? Like what is your revenue model? We work with larger employer groups, which could be anywhere from, you know, 30 or 40 employees up to thousands who are offering healthcare to their employees. These are usually the employers who have seen year over year, these massive increases to where it's become so unaffordable that they've now had to then pass those monthly premiums to their employees, you know, a large percentage, and then they continue to raise the deductible and they do everything that they can to try to offer at least some benefit without bankrupting the company. So those are the employer groups that we work with. They are our clients, but then our focus is on their members. And, you know, despite what some people may think, almost every employer group that we have ever talked to cares deeply about their employees and they want to offer the best possible health care. They just don't know what's possible, what's out there, and they can't afford it. When they come to us, we sit down, we show them things that they didn't even know was available. And then we put together a personalized, customized health plan that's right for the health of their population. We're going to take a quick break here. Be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at UC San Diego. We understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station. With cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world. To bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At UC San Diego, we understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station with cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world to bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. I understand your business now better, but I guess I want you to step away from your role, Steve, and let's talk more about the grand scheme of healthcare in this country and really put on your personal Steve hat instead of your corporate hat. If this is such a pervasive problem, why is everyone putting up with this? And at this point, I can tell you from the healthcare provider side, because my parents, that's their business, as is my brother, as are my uncles. That's our family business. My grandma's a nurse. Like that's, I'm like the only one who is in a, a medical professional. Our reimbursement rates are going down on the medical side. And then from a consumer standpoint, my insurance is more expensive than ever. So this podcast is called Follow the Profit. Where in Tardations is all this profit going? The nurse and the doctor, that's really not where it's going on the provider side. It's those hospital systems. So let's say you were an ENT doctor and you were providing a service. You were putting in tubes for kids or something like that. It might be on a Tuesday and Thursday. It might be $2,000. And on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's $6,000. And why would that possibly be? Because on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they're in the hospital. So what you've seen is a huge consolidation of uh, surgery centers and providers inside of large hospital systems. So there is a pretty big expense there. And then what you're alluding to is the repricing on the insurance side of taking on all those bills, you know, you'll get a $100,000 bill and then you'll reprice that down to $5,000 or something. You'll look at what Medicare pricing is and try to do a multiple of that. So there's waste certainly on the provider side, but it's it's not what people think. They think that these doctors and nurses are are getting rich and it's it's not that. It's a that people are going to the emergency room or hospital systems to get care. And it's it's not the most cost-effective way to get that care. You don't want to go to the ER when you have a cold. 
So you would think that there's balance in our system. So if people are using the ER as their, you know, basically first uh, touch point with the healthcare system, wouldn't insurance companies be concerned about this and try to introduce preventative medicine? And wouldn't it behoove? I've been a client of Florida Blue forever since I was born. Like, they're a great insurance company. Wouldn't it behoove them to help promote, you know, good health among their policyholders? Absolutely. And that is actually one of the biggest things that we do is work on communication, education, move people to telemedicine, as an example, which is an amazing tool um, that is now shot through the roof since COVID hit. It's been around for several years, but it's really become more popular in the last uh, 15 months or so. And then um, we try to push them to their primary care doctor, if that's the appropriate place. Um, and and the what I'm describing is member advocacy. So you'll, you'll start to see um, much more intelligent member advocacy across the board to avoid people going to the wrong place and getting expensive uh, types of care. But even as just I'm a member and I don't feel like I've been manhandled by my insurance company, but you know, here in the state of Florida, if I go to the hospital, they can send some out-of-network doctor into my room, and then I get some surprise bill later. In New York, they can't do that to me because there's a law against it. Why don't we have nationwide rules about the cost of health care? And specifically, it's different prices for different folks. There's no transparency. It's like walking into a store and not knowing the price of anything, and it's even worse, you walk out with the merchandise and you still don't know what it costs and you might pay and then you might have to pay again in the future. So how is that allowed when it's, if I did that as a media company or as a car dealership or as, you know, a widget salesman, I would be immediately shut down. Yeah, what, what you're saying is crazy. It's like you're going into a hamburger joint and asking for a hamburger and saying, how much is this? And the, they say, well, we'll let you know. And then you get a bill for $1,200, you know, but on a different day, depending on where you went, it might be $6. So that, that is one of the biggest problems in the United States. You said earlier, why isn't there a national pricing system? Well, there is, it's, it's called Medicare. So they have on a national level decided what fair pricing is. And it's, it's so difficult because what you'll find is some of those receipts that you see where providers, you know, the physicians will post, I'm getting paid less than minimum wage because of how Medicare charges. But, but that is, you know, a national pricing system. And what you will start to see is several companies, ours included, will work with reference-based price vendors. And, and what that means is they're looking at Medicare pricing and charging 140% of Medicare as an example. So they're actually charging what more than what has been recognized as nationally fair pricing, but they're looking at, at moving in that direction so that there is some consistency around pricing and some transparency. But Steve, this is so pervasive, I'll give you an example. My doctor in New York is so much better than my doctor down here. I, I, I won't replace her. And she's an endocrinologist and she works at this group practice. It doesn't matter if I pay my copay, they send me a bill for my copay. They try every time to double price me for the copay. And I've never fallen for it. My husband fell for it once and I said, honey, 
please don't pay this. And then you call the office and they go, oh, this was an error. Really? An error 10 times? So if my mother did that as a chiropractor in Kissimmee, Florida, I think the patients would go away. But somehow people do this and it's allowed. And by the way, everybody does this. It's like they try and, and credit rating agencies don't even take health care debt seriously anymore. If you don't pay your health care bills, you could still get a mortgage. So clearly the entire health care system in terms of billing is wacky and out of control. Where is Washington on this? Where is my congressman? Like, where are the regulators? Why, why haven't we done anything about this? I think that we are. They are trying to remove surprise billing. They are trying to make it illegal to balance bill patients. It's something that we've been fighting for years. I think that they're moving in the right direction. But everything that you're saying is true. And I completely agree with it. Um, we, we fight this on a daily basis. So we constantly get these bills and find out that the patient's been double billed or we get some out, outrageous pricing. We lower the bill to something that that na is nationally recognized as a fair price. We pay the bill based on the reprice and then those the hospital system or whoever it may be will turn and balance bill the patient. And so then we've had to put uh, measures in place to say, if you ever get this balance bill, send it right back to us. We will put a team on this. You will never have to deal with it. Um, these are some of the measures that we're taking, but it, you're not wrong. I mean, what you're saying is, is completely true. It's a but problem. it's all over the place, Steve. At Walgreens, if I go one day, they charge me a dollar for my medication. The next day, it's five. If my husband and I go to the same clinic, we have the same insurance, somehow we get charged different copays. And I'm like, honey, we are the same. We are married. We have the same health care plan. We are here for the same thing. And somehow you're charging us different copays. How is does any of this pass muster? No other Best Buy can't do that to you. How does, you know, City MD in New York do that to you? I don't, I don't get it. I also don't get it. I think that some of it has to do with just, you know, this extreme complexity. And you have people hired on the provider side who their entire job is to find out how many different codes they can charge and upcharge and then they'll max out all those prices knowing that those prices are that 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 bill is going to get to the insurance company who's going to look at it and say okay this is going to take us a while to review but you know this shouldn't be on there this is miscoded this needs to be repriced and and so what you're doing is addressing a major problem that we deal with on a daily basis uh, what you're asking for is you know how how do we fix this and, and really, the only thing that I can think of is removing a lot of the complexity, you know, saying that is Medicare uh, fair pricing? And if it is, then let's agree on this as the standard rather than what's the relationship that Anthem has with these doctors? What's the relationship that Cigna has with these doctors? And then let's, let's figure out, like, is there some sort of system in place that, that can reward, you know, we've, we've done accountable care organizations and things like that, you know, tried those in the past, but is there a way to, to reduce sending in as many codes as possible and trying to upcharge for every single service? And if I knew the answer and if, and if someone else knew the answer and could make this simple, then we wouldn't have this issue, but it is incredibly complex.
there's no way to make everything black and white. They tried to do that by going from their ICD-9 codes to the ICD-10 codes, which ICD-9 might have been hit in the head and then ICD-10 might have been hit in the head by duck. This is really, you can look it up. Um, but it's what they tried to do is say, let's get super specific. And, and in some ways that helped, in other ways that added 80,000 codes and, you know, or 65,000 codes and you had to, to now deal with several more codes and, and hire more people to review all of those thousands of codes. Oh, I've heard all about ICD-10 from my mother. So I know all about that. And they just have a computer software that pulls up the code. So I understand why the providers have to play that game. It's just, I'm just annoyed as a consumer that I have to deal with this. So I guess I'd be amiss to not talk about, let's say I'm diabetic. My friend owns a pharmacy, and we've created some of these measures called pharmacy benefit managers, and they were supposed to control costs, and in fact, they facilitate the inflation of costs these days. So a lot of times in healthcare, when we try to do something, it actually produces the opposite. Like Obamacare intended to help control the cost of healthcare, and it actually made the cost of healthcare go up. So how can we make sure that, like, we're trying to fix it and not break it even more, which it seems like every time we try to control something or, or try to do anything with healthcare or try to change it in any way, it actually makes it worse. Yeah. Well, and what you said is, is really true. So take Obamacare as an example where before, and, and I don't know if you, if you go back and you can remember this, but you might have health insurance and your, and it might max out at, $500,000. And next thing you know, it shoots through into the millions and you're bankrupt. What, what Obamacare did was say, no, we're, you know, unlimited. There is no max. And of course, that was great for all of these members who were becoming bankrupt, but then they had to take all those massive bills, spread them across the entire population. And what it did was it raised the bills for everyone. That's an example of trying to, and, and, succeeding in fixing a problem but creating several other problems right and i don't um, think and, and let me stop so i don't get hey i don't think anyone was against denying people or, or denying people with pre-existing conditions was morally wrong so i think everyone was for these reforms i just no one understood the cost of these reforms yeah well in in some of those things you know like pre-existing conditions it, there, there are some things that are a little tough. Like, for example, if, if you went to get car insurance, they would look at your history, right? But let's say you, you know, they treated everybody equally, right? And they just gave everybody the same car insurance. And then you jumped in the car and then just started ramming into trees every week because you had a big pickup truck and you thought it was fun. Well, that's all right. You know, the insurance is just going to cover it. And uh, there's rules in place for these, these kinds of people, these, let's call them bad actors, who are ramming into trees every day. And that's, in some ways, we've got a lot of people who have fallen victim to that, where it's like, ah, you know what? Um, it is what it is. Uh, the insurance is just going to cover this, though. I'm going to get a really low deductible. And then it really doesn't matter what I do. It'll just be covered. And, and I think that that's a bad approach. You know, that, that's why you need to have this good driver discount. That's why you need to focus on prevention and put measures in place so that that we do our best as a society to not be ramming into trees every week, right? Basically, with Obamacare, you're charging the guy with the red Lambo and the blue Kia the same thing. 
because <laughs> there, there's no such thing as, as pre-existing anymore. So it creates some incentive issues. But what about this whole idea that healthcare is a right, though, Steve? So we don't want people dying in the street, obviously. So how do we balance these market-first reforms without, like, socializing everything like our neighbors, our friendly neighbors in Canada and basically every single European country, Western European countries? Yeah, I, you know, so one of the things that we've talked about is using Medicare as a standard pricing, you know, or some some measure of, of Medicare as the standard pricing. I completely agree with you. Healthcare, you know, everybody should have healthcare. And I think the answer is to continue to get smarter, to, to look at the biggest areas of waste. Um, if you've got somebody that's getting those ear surgeries and one of them's costing with the same provider, one of them's costing... $1,500, you know, in one place, and it's costing $5,000 in, in another place, there has to be standardized pricing. And I don't know if that's demographically would make sense. You've got people who are trying to run a, the same sort of practice, but it's different to run it in New York versus a small town Indiana, right? I think those are some of the ways. I think that you, in general, um, you have to create standards, but you have to simplify the process and you have to work like crazy to make everything transparent. Yeah, Steve, let's talk about that, though, because there are some pluses to the American healthcare system, right? When people get really sick from Canada and from the UK, they come straight here. So and if you talk to uh, I have the unique experience of living amongst many British people here in Florida, and they tell me that they live here half the year, but they make sure that they have the baby here, not there, because they say it's a horror show in the United Kingdom. But then you talk to other people and they love the system over there because it's free or free, you know, air quotes. How do we harness the best of those right to make sure that everyone's covered? But additionally, that we don't lose that innovation that we have here in the United States, which has made us have, in some ways, the best healthcare system in the world. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, and I don't know if there's some hybrid form where we um, continue, like some of the things that we've done is subsidized healthcare. So, uh, you know, based on, on how much somebody makes, they may pay less for healthcare. The government subsidizes some of those things. But in general, I, I, I think that what you need to do is focus on cost containment strategies, prevention, and then there may be something where you get a standard of care. But if you need some innovative, high-level, expensive type of care, you know that you're going to be paying extra or insuring extra for those types of, of uh, innovative places. Well, in most cases in nature, hybrids do better. So that would make sense instead of talking about completely socializing healthcare or having a completely private market. So I'd like to finish this off by talking about the future of healthcare because that's really like what you all do every day. So you're in Tampa, Florida, which I've written many op-eds about this. I'm a Central Florida resident. I feel like the demographic future of this country is in this region. So welcome to the party. But you guys are also talking about how healthcare needs to be different and how, and you're doing the hard work every day making healthcare different. So tell me a little bit about that. So what we do is we work with employer groups. We take the time to listen to their needs. They tell us about their populations because every population is not the same. You know, you do have some populations where you have 
predominantly young employees who are healthy. Let's say you're working with a set of gyms or something like that. And then you have other populations where based on their lifestyles, maybe they're truckers or something like that, you have an unhealthy population. So one of the things that we try to do is personalize our healthcare offering, offering based on the makeup of the employer group. We also try to look at, as I alluded to, uh, Medicare pricing when it's the right fit, which is a good cost containment strategy. We have tried to push technology with telemedicine and other tools like that. Mental health has always been very important, but I think it's been extremely recognized since COVID hit. Uh, we've seen it in our data. It's, it's become a massive issue and, and something that we need to continue to strategize about inside of the health plan. And then one of the biggest things that we do is we have outcome-based deductible incentives where somebody can earn from, you know, as an example, a $3,000 deductible down to $0 deductible based on an annual health screening. But when we do that, we receive all of the underlying health data inside of their blood screening and then proactively engage with our preventive health management team, which is so much more cost-effective than sending everybody to a hospital or sending everybody to get that blood screening at a hospital where it might be 20 times more expensive. So through that data, you're learning how to make better healthcare decisions in the future, correct? And by opting into this ecosystem, you're using these people's own healthcare challenges to inform future decisions. Is that correct? Absolutely. And, and it's personalized based on the population. So as an example, we might do an annual health screening on a population, get the data back and find out that they have almost no smokers. So it's not as important to push huge smoking cessation programs for that population. At the same time, we might find that they have a huge number of pre-diabetics or unmanaged diabetics. We would make diabetes management one of the core focuses for that population over the next year or two. So it's very personalized and it's, and it's very preventive. We're looking at the data and we're making smart decisions based on those populations and letting employer groups know that they actually have a say in their healthcare. They can choose what's right for their population. Well, that's really fascinating because it seems like it's always boilerplate, especially the bigger the company gets. It's like, oh, you shouldn't smoke and oh, you shouldn't eat sugar and oh, like if you go to the gym, we'll give you, you know, I don't know what. And, and it seems like it's very boilerplate. And obviously for a personal training, you know, a, a, a crunch gym, you're not going to need to push the health, the working out component. You're going to probably need to have a good relationship with some physical therapists and chiropractors because they're probably in pain. <laughs> It's, it's the, such a big problem in healthcare where it's one size fits none. And it's, oh, here are three boxes. You have to fit in one of those. And so that's one of the major things that we work on. And then what you were saying about wellness, which is funny, it's, but it's, you know, I, I think that these wellness companies have tried really hard to show a good return on investment. And the biggest problem overall is they're giving all of these crunch gym memberships and everything else like that as one of the incentives. But do you know who uses those? 
the 25% that already work. So that is one of the biggest. Right. Yeah. Like at our company, we don't provide a gym membership because I, I run it and I already have one. So it'd be like, oh, thanks. Like, you know, like. And imagine it's like, oh, and what we're going to do is a 5K. Who runs the 5K? It's all the people who already run 5Ks. And they're like, oh, thank you. You're paying for the 5K that I would have paid for anyway. And so <laughs> what we've done to change that is create a tool that addresses the right audience. So once you get the those results back, it's like, hey, let's focus on those on the people with high blood pressure or let's focus on those pre-diabetics and diabetics and not just blanket give everybody 5Ks and, and let's count your steps. Yeah, well, that sounds like it makes too much sense. But in healthcare, it seems to be down is up and up is down and money is a suggestion. And I wish it were different, Steve, but it's not. <laughs> well, unfortunately, and it's like the race straight into the gutter with healthcare. It's big, well, because the insurance company's bad, the hospital's bad, so the provider's bad. So, and in the end, we're the ones left holding the bag. And I, I, I have nothing but the greatest respect for insurance companies, hospitals, you know, providers, but it seems like the, 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 the summation of all of this is just a terrible healthcare system. So Steve, thank you so much for your time. All the best to all of you at Benny Comp over there in Tampa, Florida. Thank you so much, David. And thanks to all of you for joining me as we follow the profit. And a big thanks to Steve Presser over in Tampa, Florida from Benny Comp. We really appreciate his time. And that was a great conversation. And a shout out to our team of producers, Emiliano Limon, Scott Handler, Cheyenne Reed, and Newt Gingrich and Debbie Myers. I'm your host, David Grasso. If you like the show, give us five stars and give us a review so that others can learn what this show is all about. Follow the Prophet is a production of Gingrich 360 and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All opinions expressed by David Grasso and his guests on the show are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Gingrich 360 or affiliates and may have been previously disseminated by David Grasso on this podcast television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by David Grasso as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. David Grasso's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither Gingrich Productions nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such. David Grasso, Gingrich Productions, its affiliates and or subsidiaries are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided on this website. David Grasso's statements and opinions are subject to change without notice. No part of David Grasso's compensation from Gingrich Productions is related to the specific opinions he expresses. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Neither David Grasso nor Gingrich 360 guarantees any specific outcome or profit. You should be aware of the real risk of loss in following any strategy or investment discussed on this website or on the show. Strategies or investments discussed may fluctuate in price or value. Investors may get back less than invested. Investments or strategies mentioned on this website or on the show may not be suitable for you. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You must take an independent decision regarding investments or strategies mentioned on this website or on the show.
Before acting on information on this website or on the show, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and strongly consider seeking advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 